Hey there, before we get started, I always forget to say this. Would you please go and take a moment and rate and review the podcast, wherever you listen to the podcast. It's super helpful, it helps people find the show, and it also gives me good feedback on how I can be making the show better, or how I can continue to be awesome. That was uncomfortable for me to say. Okay, thanks for doing that. All right, now we'll get started. Here we go. Welcome to Doing the Best We Can with Eddie Koffeltz. We, we hope, hope you enjoy, enjoy the show. <laughs> well, thank you, Eve and Lucy, and thank you. Welcome to Doing the Best We Can with Eddie Koffeltz. I'm Eddie. It is a privilege to be with you today. I'm really glad that you came back for this week. This is our, what is it, VII. I decided to do this in Roman numerals. This is our seventh week uh, of the show, and just people are continuing to listen to it and tell their friends, and that is exciting. Uh, this is a show where we find ways to traverse this life together. Some of those ways will be random and small and silly. Some will be big and brave and scary. But certainly we will fail because we're not perfect. We are just going to try and do our best. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. First, we're going to start off with the main article for this week. Also, this podcast is a newsletter. Make sure you're subscribed to that because there's some other content in that. But we will start off with the newsletter and then move into our second and third portion of the show, the free skate and the feedback. Here we go. Issue 7, about a cat. (laughs) Headline, The Graveyard Shift. Monday, 2.15 p.m. Oh, thank goodness. I finally secured a vet appointment for my cat, Waffles. Our regular vet was full at both the north and south locations, so I've been on the hunt to find an emergency veterinarian. We have an appointment today at 3 p.m. This morning, when I saw Waffles get sick for the first time, I was absolutely leveled. I freaked the hell out. I couldn't make rational decisions. I cried a little bit. Mind you, this time yesterday, I would have described myself as a decently adjusted adult who's done the work, been through some stuff, and is relatively stable. But hearing waffles and pain fried my emotional circuitry. Right now, Eve is in the den, keeping an eye on her and letting me know if something changes. Lucy has agreed to take the next watch. And as a family, we've cross-referenced all of our cat books and scoured the internet for how much sickness is too much sickness. The internet says she's fine and animals get sick. Whatever. I'm taking her to get a professional opinion because there's no way the internet can be trusted. Yeah, I love this cat pretty deeply. Left to my own devices, I'd start a waffles-only Insta, justify wearing funny cat shirts more than I already do, And certainly, I would buy multiple cats and assign names, backstories, character arcs, and voices. But the younger Eddie is still buried deep in me, and he is begging me to move away from the light and remember that I can still salvage some measure of relevancy if I turn back now. So to my younger self, I've got you. I'm going to just rarely wear the cat dad bod shirt that a friend sent me and post about her only two to four times a week on my personal disappearing insta story. Don't worry, younger Eddie. I'm still very rad. Monday, 3.50 p.m. I'm back from the emergency vet. It was not a good visit. Waffles, who is not a calm animal, 
sat lethargic and silent during a pretty invasive exam. The vet technician remarked that Waffles was the, quote, most loving and calm cat she'd met. And while the kind tech was right, she didn't realize that normal Waffles would have never allowed such poking and prodding. That cat doesn't suffer fools. The truth is, Waffles wasn't calm. She was fading. The vet concluded that there could be two possibilities. One, she ate something and it's stuck in her little cat guts. Two, she's got a disease like pancreatitis. Either option would require further testing, and we should, quote, get her tested right now. Something is very wrong with this cat. Then the vet left us. Even Lucy were with me. She left us alone in the exam room with the vet tech. As it turns out, this tech doubled as the sales manager, who informed me that the tests alone would cost $1,400. If she needed surgery or intense medication, that additional amount could be, quote, as little as $1,000 or more. With that information, I packed waffles into her carrier, tried to explain to the kids why we weren't getting the test, and took a very sick cat home to, I don't know, get better? Get much worse? Who knows? What I did know was that spending thousands was not going to happen. The question of could we afford it wasn't the question. It was should we? And for my ethics and worldview, I can't spend that much no matter how broken my heart is. However, if you spend thousands, no judgment. As Hemingway wrote, so far about morals, I know only that what is moral is what you feel good after and what immoral is what you feel bad about after. Basically, Hemingway was saying, you do you. Pertinent note, Hemingway's home was and is filled with uh, polydactyl six-toed cats. You can still visit them today. The day we brought Waffles home, I became a weirder version <laughs> a weirder version of myself. I've always had pets, and I cared for most of them, but Waffles is different. I'm going to forego multiple paragraphs of self-involved psychoanalysis and just get to the punchlines. I was in a dark place. Waffles was very sweet. Our family was in a dark season. Waffles made us happy. She doesn't need me and only visits when she wants to. I like to be wanted. I get addicted and or obsessed very easily, and a cat is a very healthy outlet for that. She's cute, and I brought her a little blue bell that she wears so I don't lose her. I love her. Tuesday, 4.05 a.m., I am in the den now taking the graveyard shift and unable to sleep because I've been so nervous. Waffles is walking on my laptop keyboard while I attempt to write this. She is demanding that I focus on her need for being scratched under the collar. If I don't scratch, she makes a lot of noise, which I worry will wake the house. So I pay attention, I scratch her, and she purrs. It seems as though she'd just gotten into something felt bad for 24 hours, and is back in business. Waffles is not sick anymore. The internet was right. And guess what, internet? You're about to get a lot more cat content from a guy who lost his mind over an orange tabby cat. But you know what? That's okay. Because there are plenty of things in life that require moderation. But scratching a needy cat isn't one of those things. I will always have indulgences. The key is picking the right and cutest ones. Okay, well, that was an entire article about a cat. It's really echoey in here. Can you hear it? Yeah, can you tell? I'm in a new room, so I'm going to need to put up something. Anyhow, this is our echoey week.
All right. So we're going to move on to the free skate section. Uh, it has nothing to do with cats. I think I've, I think I've <laughs> used up my cat cachet with you all. Uh, but for this week, I wanted to just take a little bit of time and answer some interesting questions that have come in. Do a little music and answer them. So regarding last week's article, we talked about coffee and the coffee ceremony. Marie wrote, she said, I spent six weeks in Ethiopia in 2019. It's so lovely to read about and hear about the coffee ceremony and even just some basic facts about the country. What a special place. My question is, are you usually a black coffee drinker? Did you have sugar in your coffee when drinking in Ethiopia? I remember a lot of sugar, which was usually not my style. Okay. Marie has asked actually a very good question. So the, the basic answer is yes, I drink coffee black. But the reason is I got very little advice growing up about anything. But at one point uh, during my senior year, I, I was like super tired and hadn't had coffee. And one of my parents just gave me a cup of black coffee before I went in and was just like, just drink it black. You're not going to like it either way. You might as well just save yourself the hassle and drink black coffee. So I drink black coffee. Not a great story, but that's the truth. I drink black coffee, but I do have kind of a rule for myself. And the rule is if culturally people put sugar in it, I drink it the way they would prepare it for themselves. So in Ethiopia, they actually do a, a split typically, uh, whether it's just black coffee or it's filled with sugar. Um, they're two totally different drinks. And if you're offered it, it's not impolite to take either one of them. Uh, the sugar ones definitely have a sugarier taste it's a real sweet taste it's it's more like think of almost like a a dessert drink the black coffee tastes like hard espresso so a little bit it's the mood you're in um so i don't normally drink coffee with sugar in it but that in ethiopia is very good also i'm gonna mess this up but when i was a pastor i went and visited a woman who was a lot who was older very old uh and she was Cuban and she made me Cuban coffee on the stove and I don't know how she did it I'm sure many of you have had it but she took like very deep espresso and like boiled it with sugar that was the craziest that was crazy that was the time when I was like no no no, I drink coffee black I was like no this lady knows how to put sugar in coffee uh, so yeah black coffee also for those of you that did not read or listen to last week no big deal but we talked about Ethiopia and the coffee ceremony, and I would say the main takeaway is get yourself to an Ethiopian restaurant and order some coffee. Maybe they'll do the ceremony, maybe they won't, but they will. you will love your meal, you will love the people, you will love the atmosphere, and you'll love the coffee. Okay, uh, the second and other one, a little more serious, uh, is from a friend, Libby. Libby writes, hey, I'm a missionary in the Dominican Republic. Libby, I hope you're okay with the hurricane. Anyhow... She continues on by saying, I grew up in the white suburban American church. I have been involved in ministry for years and have been a missionary for the last three. If there is one thing I've learned about being a Christian, it's that staying is hard. The church capital C is exclusively full of broken people who hurt each other. I'll dial in on that sentence. I've been hurt in relatively small ways and, I, uh, and I've hurt others too. But watching loved ones... Uh, or even strangers be deeply wounded, sometimes horrifically so, by the people who are supposed to show them love and mercy is too much to handle sometimes. And my instinct is to run. From listening to you over the last couple of years, I'm guessing you have had similar experiences. Can you speak a bit to how you know when to stay and work through conflict and how you know when it's best to leave a community or a relationship? Libby, 
Um, I'm going to talk a little bit next week, and I'm going to write an article. Well, I've written an article about it, about my decision to not be a pastor anymore and what that meant. And so it kind of touches on this, but there's something more specifically here that you write um, that I thought was worth us considering together. And I am just prefacing this by saying, like, I'm not an expert. I don't have, I'm not trying to sit on my ivory tower, but I have thought about this. And so here's what I've thought about uh, in working through this. One, you wrote the church, capital C, meaning like the, uh, for people that don't know that terminology, that just means like the, the buildings, the people, the establishments. The establishment is exclusively full of broken people who hurt each other. I know what you're saying, and I know the idea is that no one's perfect. But I also want to say that that's not a definitive statement because um, in my worst moments, and I'm not putting this on you, this is where, where I've been. In my worst moments, I have felt that everybody is just hurtful and this is just a place of the most neediest, hurtful people ever. And in my best moments, I have been blind uh, and thought that everybody was just uh, perfect and shiny. And in the reality, the reality that I found and the reality that I found in myself is that we are all both, right? There's a neediness, there's a brokenness, there is a, uh, a goodness, there is a hopefulness in all people. Um, and sometimes in my most hurt moments, I have definitely felt that this was not a safe place, which uh, leads me to the rest of your point, um, where you really thoughtfully engage the fact that You've hurt people, people have hurt you, you've seen strangers wounded, um, and that your instinct is to run. Um, And you did say that you've been listening to me for the last couple of years, and I have talked kind of around about some of those experiences, and I have on on different shows and in different writing. Um, But the last point is, how do you know when it's best to leave a community or a relationship? I don't know when it's best. But here's what I know. I feel and sense in the question that there is just a deep amount of pain and that in those moments, the question may not be, what do I do? But the question may be, actually, how do I turn down the noise in my soul right now so that I can answer some of these big questions? I usually try, if possible, and sometimes life doesn't allow this, but I try, if possible, not to make gigantic decisions in the midst of massive emotional upheaval. And the more that I can just do a little self-care, I know that's like boot, like in vogue to say right now, right? Just self-care, take care of yourself. Like, But the more I can do that, the more I can kind of see the forest through the trees. I sense in your question a lot of pain, and I think it's all valid. But I also think that maybe to be able to know if you should be leaving the community or ending the relationship that you step back from the things that are most painful now and start to see what's true. Uh, And what's true may be that it's time to leave. What's true is that it may be time to stay. What's true is that it may be time to leave and stay and be in conflict, right? It's hard, hard to know. But right now, I think it's just a process of being uh, willing to step back a bit and say, I'm going to, I'm going to evaluate this and I'm going to do some of the self-care needed to understand what it is that's actually behind all of this. Um, I hope that's not overstepping Libby. I, I really don't. Um, and if this doesn't apply to you, maybe it applies to someone else. But, um, I think my sense is that, you know, and you will understand and you will see what the long-term decision will be. 
but I think it is okay to step out of that community for a while, to take a break from it, to not feel so uh, attached to it that you have a time to actually evaluate it in a place that's a bit safer for you. And I will just also say, just finally, like if you decide to leave a community or a relationship, um, you might just be leaving just the capital C, the institution. I don't know that you could ever actually leave the lowercase c. Or maybe it's the other way around. <laughs> I messed this up. But I think a bigger picture is like you might be stepping out of a community that you're in because it's toxic, but I don't think that you're stepping out of, uh, of faith, right? Those are two totally different conversations. I think we'll flow in and out of communities. I think that faith is a little bit of a deeper heart issue. Okay, maybe that was helpful. Maybe it wasn't. I'm not going to go back and edit it. Those are my thoughts. I hope. Libby, you found some help in that, and we'll talk more about it next week. Okay, that's it for Freescape. We're going to close up the show now. Okay, uh, let's see. What do we need to do? Newsletter. Uh, I talk about an obsession with a hat company. Um, this, it is not paid. They don't. They didn't pay me. Uh, they did send me a promo code that I sent along to you. <laughs> uh, this hat company is for people with huge heads. I don't want to get too much into it, but I have kind of a, you know, to quote Mike Myers, an orange on a, what is it? An orange on a toothpick. <laughs> and I love this job. This is a company called Odd Jobs. So I link to it. I talk a bit about it in the newsletter. You can find the promo code and things there. I hope you subscribe to the newsletter. I hope you share the newsletter with your friends. All of that can happen on Eddie Koffeltz. Dot com And I love hearing your feedback. I love answering, not even answering questions, but considering questions together. So please, if you have questions, thoughts, criticisms, anything, go to eddiekoffeltz.com. There's a feedback section. As always, thank you to Uncle Jimmy for editing the newsletter. And thanks to you for showing up. I am deep into next week's and the weeks after and hope we get to chat again very soon on doing the best we can.